Hey everybody, it's Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today. Hey, while you're on your phone, why don't you go ahead and follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram. And you can download the Fern Creek Christian Church app on your phone today. We hope this message encourages you to become a better follower of Jesus, to be a disciple that makes more disciples. So without further ado, here's the message. Morning, Fern Creek. Great to see you. Hey, as, uh, before we continue in worship in, in our sermon, I want to just make sure you uh, kind of know about something special coming up. This Wednesday night, we have a, a couple of missionaries, Dan and Meg Price, uh, who are home from Israel. Now, Dan and Meg grew up in Fern Creek, so we have sent them to Israel to be missionaries. Um, they're back. They made it back this Wednesday night at 6.30. You're going to hear about their ministry. Um, they have a special friend that's going to come and share their testimony. I uh, want to encourage you, Wednesday night, 6.30, come on in the sanctuary and we'll be together. And then the following Monday, so Monday the 13th, at 7 o'clock, we're going to bring Dan and Meg back for a Q&A. I know you had a lot of questions about what's going on in Israel. So Wednesday's more of ministry related things. And then Monday the 13th will be kind of a Q&A. What's actually going on in the Middle East and what's, uh, what are we to make of it? So I just want to get that on your radar. Uh, welcome to Sermon on the Mount. We, I, I promise you we're two sermons away. Two sermons away from wrapping this baby up, but we've been journeying with Jesus. Greatest sermon ever preached, given by the greatest preacher to ever live, and we're in the home stretch. Now, remember, I told you a couple of weeks ago, but let me let me remind you. The closing of this sermon, we're doing three weeks as Jesus closes it, but the closing of the Sermon on the Mount, 16 verses. And I'm telling you, those 16 verses are not preached very often. Lots of people will preach about the Sermon on the Mount, but they'll cut short the closing because it's not real popular. It's not popular today to talk about the narrow road and the narrow gate. It's not warm and fuzzy and sparkly, but just because it's not warm and sparkly and fuzzy doesn't, doesn't mean we ignore it. No, Jesus talked about there is a narrow gate and a narrow road. And man, we, we need to talk about that. Today, uh, as we continue in this closing, Jesus is going to talk about, he's going to give another warning. He's going to talk about false teaching and false teachers. And it's another warning that really has gone unheeded by a lot of Christians today. And as a result of not paying attention to the danger of false teachers and false teaching, we are witnessing before our very eyes an erosion of the foundation that has stabilized and secured the church for centuries. So listen to the words of Jesus, Matthew 7, 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. In this one verse, Jesus warns his disciples. He says, listen, uh, you're going to have people who are going to come and they're going to lie to you. They're going to distort the truth. And, and Jesus calls these people wolves and wolves are many, many things. But first and foremost, wolves are dangerous. And all throughout the Bible, not just here, but all throughout the Bible, we're taught the danger of false teachers. Acts chapter 20, verse 29. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock, even from your own number. Internally, there'll be false teachers. They will arise, distort the truth in order to draw away many disciples after them. 
Or how about 2 Peter chapter 2? But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly, check this out, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers, these false teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. So are you with me? False teachers are not just something that was you know, placed in the day of Jesus. There were false teachers in the Old Testament. There were false teachers in the day of Jesus. There are false teachers today. So it's not a question. It's not a question of if, if you will ever encounter a false teacher. That's not the question. The question is, will you discern it? You will encounter false teaching. You will encounter false teachers. The question is, will you be able to discern false teaching? Now, how do you I do it? Yeah, how do I identify false teachers? How do I identify false teaching? Well, well sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's really easy to identify false teaching. We were taught actually how to do this early in life. Let me take you back to the OGs of Sesame Street. They taught us how to discern, right? Do you remember that? Look at this picture. Look at this picture. You remember what we were taught? One of these things is not like the other. One of these things doesn't belong. Can you tell me which thing's not like the other before I finish my song? <laughs> Hi, friends. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things is refreshing and yummy, <laughs> tastes like a hug, while the other three are blah, blah and gross and will give you body odor. <laughs> Can you tell? All right, all right. You, you, discerning false teaching and false teachers, sometimes, sometimes it's really, really easy. Uh, sometimes wolves are easy to recognize because you know what a wolf looks like. Uh, so sometimes you'll, you'll see a person and sin is just permeating their life. There's no pursuit of holiness. They're angry, they're greedy, controlling, unrepentant. The words that come out of their mouth are so easily identifiable as false teaching. You know, Jesus was not God. He was just a, a good human being. All roads lead to God. Sometimes false teaching and wolves are easy to identify because you, you know what they are. They look wolfy, talk wolfy, smell wolfy. But Jesus didn't warn us about wolves that smell or talk woofy. Jesus said, you need to be careful about wolves in sheep's clothing. They are wolves, but they smell like sheep. They talk like sheep. They look like sheep. They hang out with other sheep, but they're not sheep. They're wolves. So it's hard to pick them out. It would be like, it would be like this, like, like if I said to you, Hey, you know, $5,000 and, and you can have this $20,000 diamond. You just got to give me your 5,000 and you got to pick the real diamond. They're all, they're all fake, but, but one's real. Which one's the real diamond? Now that's a lot harder because they look, the, they all look like diamonds. So how, how would you discern the real diamond from the fake diamonds? Well, you'd have to know something about diamonds. You'd have to have experience handling diamonds. You'd have to get one of those, those lenses, one of those loops so you could peer beneath the surface to catch, ah, this is the real one while this one is the fake one. So to tell the difference 
Man, you, you, you got to be invested. And Jesus told us, he told us, how, how do you discern a wolf who looks like a sheep? Well, look at verses 16 to 20. By their fruit, you will recognize the wolves in sheep's clothing. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus, by their fruits, you want to know... If you're dealing with a false teacher, false teaching, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So Jesus tells us there are false teachers. There are wolves running loose in the sheep pen. They camouflage beneath a robe, a collar, a pulpit, a degree. They smell sheepy, talk sheepy, but they're really wolves. And Jesus says, don't be bamboozled. Don't, don't be bemused by them. He, he says, look at their fruit. Check out their fruit. So you know you're dealing with a banana tree because you see bananas. You know you're dealing with an orange tree because you see the oranges. So what is the fruit he's talking? How do people produce fruit? Well, two ways. What they do and what they say. That is the fruit that you and I are able to recognize by what they do and what they say. I'm not gonna take a lot of time on the first fruit, what they do. We are all sinners saved by grace. But I'm telling you, if you have a pastor, a teacher, a leader whose life is not being renewed and transformed by the gospel, if they pursue and coddle sin, if they stop resisting sin, if they're unrepentant of sin, if their speech is vulgar, if their anger is out of control, if they manipulate and they refuse to be accountable, that is bad fruit. That is bad fruit. Let's talk about the second fruit, the easier fruit to discern, what they say. Sometimes it's really hard to discern what they do, but what they say, that's the easier fruit to identify. So let's talk about what people say. You can recognize a false teacher by what they say. In the Old Testament, this was really easy. This is how God gave instructions on how to identify false teaching by what they say. Look at Deuteronomy 18. You may wonder, how will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the Lord? Well, if the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, you know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. So God said, if a man or a woman speaks in my name, you can gauge whether or not they're a real prophet or a false prophet by, by does what they say actually happen? Does what they say actually come true? That was the litmus test. Well, well today we don't have that litmus test because we have something that they didn't have. So the litmus test has changed. We have the Bible. They didn't have the Bible. Our litmus test on whether or not it's a true or false prophet or true or false teaching is how does it align with scripture? Let me show you why we, we think this. Look at what the Bible says. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 4. If anyone teaches false doctrine, well, how am I going to know? Well, if they do not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and the godly teaching, he's conceited and understands nothing. So the first litmus test is does it align with what Jesus said? So, so I take what someone says and I said, does that match to what Jesus said? Does that, does that align with godly teaching from what the gospels would tell us? Because that's the words of Jesus. 
Well, we go on, look at 1 Corinthians 14, look what Paul said. If anybody thinks he's a prophet, anybody thinks they're spiritually gifted, let him acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. If he ignores this, he himself will be ignored. Paul comes along and he says, listen, the Lord spoke to me and the Lord gave me instruction. So what I'm writing to you, does that, does what you teach, does what you believe, does it line up to what we read in the Pauline epistles? So we got the gospels. Does it align to what Jesus say? Does it align with what the apostle Paul says? And then look at first John chapter four, verse six, the, the apostle John, we are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth from the spirit of falsehood. John says, do you listen to the apostles, those disciples of Jesus? So what are we learning? We're learning the lens that we lay, we lay things aside is, is the scripture, the Bible. Does what I'm hearing from this podcast, does this best-selling author, does this pastor with a gazillion followers on Facebook, what they say, does it align with what I'm reading in the Bible? That's the lens. It's the Bible. The Bible's not just a book, it's the book. It's the inspired word of God. It's our North Star, our middle sea, it's our compass. And what's so disheartening is we become a people who know more Taylor Swift lyrics than Bible verses. We, we, we can identify and name every person on the roster of our favorite team, but we don't know any of the 10, we can't name the 10 commandments. So because we are spiritually malnourished, here's what happens, because we're spiritually malnourished, we hear someone who has a collar or a pulpit or a degree, and we hear the words come out of their mouth and we go, well, it's gotta be true because they got a pulpit, they got a robe, they got a collar, they got a degree. But when that truth is laid alongside of the Bible, when that truth is laid on top of the Bible, we see that that's not truth at all. Th th those are lies, those are fallacies. And let me give you a few examples. Let me show you how this works. H here's a false teaching. You ready for this? God is love. How could a loving God send anyone to hell? He won't. So everyone goes to heaven or goes to hell. No one goes to hell. Everyone goes to heaven because love wins. Oh, there's a best-selling book called Love Wins. It's heresy. It's false teaching. Why? How do I know? Lay it alongside. What does the Bible say? I know what Rob Bell says, but what does the Bible say? Well, look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. He will come, God will come with his mighty angels. He's going to come in flaming fire. He's going to bring judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal, what's the next word? Destruction, forever separated from the Lord and his glorious power. Friends, the Bible doesn't say everyone goes to heaven. Don't care what Rob, Rob Bell's a false teacher. Here's another false teaching. If you need help, if you would like God to answer your prayer, pray to Mary. Pray to St. Francis. You want God to intercede, you want God to intervene, pray to the saints. That's false teaching. How do I know? What does the Bible say? Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the Virgin Mary. No, St. Francis, no, the man who? 
There's only one go-between. There's only one mediator. That's what the Bible says. Or how about this false teaching? God wants you to be happy. Okay, I, I need to stop that. I need to stop. Healthy, pro I gotta stop it. Prosperous. You just have to have faith. Speak what you want into being. Your words are the power. Speak it and you will create it. Name it and you can claim it. That's false teaching. That's heresy. Why? What does the Bible say? Well, look at what Paul said. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I claimed it. I named it. I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So friend, let me, let me beg you. Let me implore you, get in your Bible Read it, study it, listen to it. Don't let the only time you're exposed to scripture be on Sunday morning when someone reads it to you. I'm told the way the FBI trains their people to spot counterfeit money. How, how, how do they train them to spot counterfeit money? One of the many ways is they, they, don't, they don't give them lots of fakes to study. Spend all your time and effort studying the forgeries and studying the fakes. They tell them spend hour after hour after hour after hour after hour studying the real deal. You study the real money so well, so hard, so long. You do that, you'll instantly know when something's off. So how do you know, how can you spot a false teacher? Man, you become intimately invested in your Bible. You know who did this the best in the scripture? A group called the Bereans. The Bereans did this the best. In the book of Acts, as the apostle Paul was going around and sharing the gospel and starting new churches, he would go into cities and he would preach and people would come to know Jesus. He, he went to the synagogue. That's kind of how, how he normally do to preach. And when he got to the city of Berea, listen to what the folks did there. Look at Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. Well, how, how is it that they were more noble in their character? Well, watch what they did. For they received the message with great eagerness and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was what? Was true. Now let that soak in. This is the apostle Paul. Didn't matter he was the apostle Paul. He had been beaten for the gospel. Didn't matter if he'd been beaten for the gospel. This is the guy who said he saw the resurrected Jesus. Doesn't matter what he claimed to see. They took what Paul said and they put it under the lens of scripture and they said, does what he said say, say, uh, align with the Bible? How awesome. How awesome would, would the church be if elder boards, if search committees, if church leadership would take what their preacher preaches and line it up and hold it up to the scripture and say, does it align? Is it consistent with scripture? It would not only be awesome. Do you understand it's their obligation? It's their obligation as leaders to do so. In Paul's letter to Titus, he outlines what qualifications for church eldership would be. Paul would start churches and he wasn't gonna stay there. So he would appoint spiritually minded people to oversee the church called elders. And he gives you know, qualifications for elders. 
And then he tells elders what to do. And if you've ever wondered, what do, what do church elders do? Go, go read this first chapter of Titus. But let me give you one verse, one of the many things that church elders are supposed to do. And look at what he says. He, the elder, must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it's been taught so that he can uh, encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who what? Oppose it. Our elder, one of the jobs of, of an elder is to, is to protect the church. One of their jobs is to make sure you never have a wolf in the sheep pen. So is, is the preaching biblically accurate? And I want to tell you, the elders at Fern Creek know their Bible. I am so impressed. They, they, they know the word. They study the word. And while they're my brothers, they're my overseers. They're, they're the ones... Who, who makes sure what comes out of the pulpit, no matter who's preaching, is trustworthy and true. Can you imagine what would happen if God-fearing, biblically deep leaders made sure their preacher pursued biblical accuracy and protected their flock from false teaching? Because look around. That's not happening. And what's the result? We are witnessing the erosion, the impotence, the powerless funk of the church today. Why is this? One of the reasons is there are wolves injecting false doctrine into the bloodstream of the church. <laughs> is it no wonder I'm not invited to many local pastor lunches? <laughs> I don't get too many of those requests. Be a Berean, be a Berean. Test what I say. Test what I say. You don't test it based upon how it makes you feel. You don't test it based upon your opinion or your gut. You don't test it based upon what your mama said at lunch. You test every word I say by the word of God. And I want you to know how seriously I take the call to preach. And not just to preach, but to preach soundly, biblically. And, and don't take my humor as a sign of shallow, shallowness, like I'm just doing it for kicks and giggles. My, my, my humor comes quickly, easily, naturally. I spend way more time, hour after hour after hour after hour, not thinking how can I make this humorous, thinking how, how can I make this biblically accurate? I, I wanna discern and correctly apply the original text, the, the language, the Greek, because I know the power of his word, yes, but I also know something else. Look, look at a verse that haunts me, James 3.1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that those who teach will be judged more. Wow. That verse afflicts me. And it pushes me to, to not come in a text going, well, what, what do I wish it said or how do I feel it should say? No. What is the biblical hermeneutic? But, but guess what? I'm fallen. I'm a scarred, imperfect person. So you take every word I say and you test it and you lay it beside the word of God. And if I'm off, if I'm ever off, you know what to do. You get together at lunch and talk behind my back and <laughs> rally a mob and drive me into the Ohio River. No, no. 
I pray you would come to me and I'll make you a promise. I hope you know my heart. The six years we've been together, I hope you would, I promise to listen. I promise to be open. I promise to receive you with love and grace and thankfulness because if I'm off, I need to know that. I want to know that. I must yield to the word of God. Okay, back to the text. I want to wrap up the last three verses of this, this sermon in three minutes. It's three verses that strike terror into the heart of 95% of Christians today. And I've got three minutes to unpack it with you. I'm running out of gas. I got to land the plane. All right. But let me give you the three verses that strike terror into the heart of every Christian, most Christians, and let me see if I can help you with it. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. We, 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 we could spend a whole sermon here, but again, I gotta, I gotta land the plane, so let me say this. Most Christians read these three verses and they silently agonize going, is that me? Is that me? Like, look what these people said and look what these people did. And Jesus said, no, I wasn't good enough. Like, away, you're evil. You're not coming in. Is that, is that me? I'm terrified. And, and this is why hermeneutic and context is so crucial. You know there were not chapters and verses in the original text of the scripture, right? You know chapters and verses don't come along till much, much later. As a matter of fact, chapters are placed in the Bible around 1227. Verses come along about 1448. So while chapters and verses are helpful, they help us find places quickly, uh, there are a few pitfalls with chapter and verses. And let me tell you one of them, one of them's context. These three verses that we just read about, away from me, I never knew you, you evildoers, you said things and you did things, but I didn't know you, you're evil, out. These three verses are usually preached isolated. Usually a whole sermon is just based on these three verses and no context is given. So, so let me ask you, what's the, you know the context. What has Jesus just been talking about? False teachers, wolves in sheep's clothing, right? So it's not like Jesus preached on false teachers, wrapped that up and said, whew, we need a falafel break. <laughs> Everybody take 15, go grab your shawarma and falafel, come back at 15 and we'll start a new sermon. And then everybody came back down and Jesus then launches into these three new verses. No, it's my opinion. You test it, my opinion. Jesus has been talking about false teachers. And in these three verses, he's still talking about false teachers. They may deceive, they may fool everyone, but Jesus is like, I see you, I hear you, and the day's coming. The day's coming when you will be revealed for the wolf that you are, and you will be judged. And when they're judged, these false teachers are going to say, Lord, we, we spoke like sheep, we used your name. Lord, we acted like sheep, we did things in your name. And Jesus is going to say, you weren't a sheep. You were a wolf. You didn't listen. You didn't follow. I never knew you depart from me. 
So listen, not only is false teaching dangerous, because it can lead and it has led so many people and it's weakened the church, led so many people astray. It's dangerous because false teachers are gonna be judged. They're gonna pay a huge price. So Fern Creek, be Bereans. No matter who stands on this platform, you be Bereans, you test the spirits. Don't believe everything you read or hear just because someone looks like a sheep. They may be a wolf and wolves are dangerous. Be a Berean, know your Bible, put your Bible glasses on and see what's underneath. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thanks for reminding us that, that there are false teachers. There were, there are, there will be. And help us to realize the only way to discern is putting our Bible glasses on. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, it's Matt Zola again. That was a powerful message we just heard. I pray that what we have learned today wouldn't just be stored in our minds, but would move into our hearts and help us to be conformed into the image of God's Son, Jesus. And I pray that that message helped you become a better follower of Jesus and taught you how to love, live, and lead like Jesus. If you want to talk with somebody about something you just heard or you want prayer for something going on in your life, there's somebody on staff who would love to connect with you. Why don't you email us at office at ferncreekcc.org and we want to put a name to your face. We want to know your story and we want to connect with you in person if we can. Again, that's office at ferncreekcc.org. You know, one of the things we value at Fern Creek Christian Church is being a part of community. If you've been listening to our sermons online or you've been watching our services on YouTube or Facebook, why don't you come visit us in person one Sunday? We would love to get to know who you are, and we believe that we grow better as followers of Jesus in community and not in isolation. You know, God gives us community as a gift. We have services every Sunday morning, and we hope that you'll feel welcomed enough to be able to join us and worship with us in person. Thanks for tuning in today. Grace, peace, bless others this week.